Hey, everybody, it's Bevan with a pre-roll. Um, I am just here to welcome some of my newest Patreon members. Uh, Patreon is the single best way to support me as a creator and to support this ongoing podcast. Um, Patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. You can join uh, and take my online aerobics class. You can join for just a couple bucks and get access to exclusive content just for my Patreon feed. I appreciate every dollar it counts and helps me make the world safe for people to love themselves. And just a special shout out and thank you to my newest Patreon supporters, Tracy from Linwood, Washington, Loretta from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, Ontario, Ontario, something like that. Katie from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and Jenny from Brisbane, Australia. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting this work. Thank you so much for for listening to the podcast, for liking and subscribing and all of the things. I really appreciate you so much. It is an honor and a blessing to do this work. And I hope you love this show. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. I am so grateful to have my friend Scott Smith here. Scott K. Smith, uh, to, to distinguish from any other Scott Smiths out there. But Scott is an incredible healer and knower of things. I feel like he's very much like a mage from Game of Thrones, like just in terms of how much he knows and how much he teaches. He's an incredible teacher. Um, I met him through taking a Reiki practice class. So um, you had for a time, and I think still do ongoingly, um, do classes for people who are already attuned to some level of Reiki to help expand the practice into other uh, areas or, or sort of add to our healing um, things. And so learning from you was so great. And then we've developed a friendship over time. And I just feel so grateful to have you in my life and really grateful to get to share you with my audience of kindred spirits out here in podcast land uh, <laughs> on the occasion of the solstice. I feel like solstice is just such a really beautiful time for renewing um, our connection to source and things that are kind of bigger than us. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, I th thanks for having me on. And um, I, uh, I gotta say, I never thought I would be on a podcast talking about something. <laughs> um, uh, I never found I never thought I'd find my body here in this place, like uh, speaking words to people on the internet. And this year has been a, a big expansion of that. And so I'm very happy and grateful to be a part of this because I am uh, an avid listener of your podcast. It's a way that I use to keep up with you and hear other interesting stories from people that you have. Yeah, it's just like mm -hmm. having this podcast is just like a dream come true, honestly, because sharing my friends with people is one of the best things I can do. And I love that, like, um, you don't have a lot of experience on podcasts. That's great. I feel like this is exactly why I wanted to do this because I don't want it to just be like famous people who are like on a million podcasts. I want it to right. also be like the unsung heroes, the people who don't, you know, and also like, I think I'm probably a good first podcast host, right? Like a, a friendly, yes, totally. an easy space, you know, we're not going to screw this up. Like we're also doing just for my listeners to know, I'm experimenting with different ways to record it online. So this is uh, my first experience using the Zoom technology. Um, and so hopefully it's oh, I see. great uh -huh. quality. Yeah. But you know, there's always all these permutations. Uh -huh. um, Scott, will you just give us a little bit of your history? Um, I know we've been overlapping for years, which I love because like you were sort of coming out or being out in the East Bay, um, going to like this gay prom that my mom used to chaperone. <laughs> So, like in the nineties, yes. so, can you tell us just a little bit about like <laughs> where bizarre. you grew up and and how you came into your magical life? Yeah, wow. Um, so I've been asked this question several times this year, and so I've had a little practice in articulating it. Um, and uh, uh, my my joke, and which is where I'm going to start, because I usually start with my mother, but I'm going to start with this one is I, I developed a little tag for it, which was to say, uh, a witch since 86. 
which was when um, I was in like, I don't know, junior high school or high school or something. And some kid in like the back entrance to the school and like his little gang like stopped me and they were like, so if you're really who you say you are, then you know what I am. And I'm like, is he calling me a witch? And I was like, yeah, I'm a witch. Uh, okay, so are you? And he was like, I'm a werewolf. And I was like, okay, you know, that's great. And like, I went to like eighth grade math or something or whatever I was going to. Um, but it cemented something in my consciousness. It, it cemented something I think that had been uh, evolving in my being uh, since a young child. You know, like when I look at my history, I can say, yeah, you know, I had a mom who was um, uh, very much a human being, but also uh, very open to allowing me to be who I was as a kid. So, you know, that looked like me being able to express myself through art and drawings, which I was really into when I was young. Um, and then also, uh, you know, to develop the capacity or have the space to talk to my imaginary friends. So I had an imaginary friend when I was little. His name was Donovan. And, um, and I told everybody or my family that he was my brother that was supposed to have come with me, but didn't. Um, right. So. Uh, um, I, I think over a period of time, I mean, that's a long time ago. I mean, I'm 46 now this year and, you know, that's when I was like five. So that was like 41 years ago. Right. Um, I, I, the, the recollection's a little blurry, um, you know, but, uh, I feel like in that time in my life, like that was an indicator in my memory, uh, of my mother, of her saying, uh, well, let's talk about this more. And so she was very open to uh, what I was perceiving that was unseen. Um, so, so that was very open to me when I was little. But as I grew older, I think, you know, like when I really like tapped into magic, you know, it was really bewitched. I, I give a lot to that show. Um, I really wanted to be those ladies. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> they made magic look amazing. And I was like, I, I want to do that. Like, that's my world right there. Um, uh, when I was, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I was around 13 or 14, somewhere in that time in my life. And um, if one of my friends ended up listening, she can probably clarify it for us. But we had had a conversation. We met each other in um, our soft, or our, excuse me, our freshman year in high school. And we had a conversation with fast friends. Her name is Kat. And um, we uh, had a large conversation about psychic powers and pyramid power and, you know, like ancient Egypt and aliens and like the whole like gamut of like what's metaphysical. And um, my aunt Jennifer overheard us talking and like kind of like you know in her her very Aquarian way like tapped on the door Gemini way excuse me and tapped on the door and came in and was like well do you know and she started to like tell us a bunch of stuff which sent us on a wild goose chase uh, at the library looking for like the lesser key of Solomon and like books on witchcraft and magic um and and that was really where I think the second door opened for me. The first, I would definitely say, was my childhood and being cultivated, or being allowed to cultivate that uh, through inquiry and question and and space with my mom. And the second was through her sister, who sort of dropped, you know, like kind of name dropped some magical books for us, and uh, and that sent us on another quest. We never found those books because at the time, I mean, it was a different world in the late eighties, early nineties, and what we had access to was a lot different than what we have access to now. Uh, so we never found the books, but we did find a great occult book shop, which was called Mystic Gems in Newark, California. And, uh, and you know, then it was just a snowball downhill after that. I mean, I just kept on rolling with whatever I could possibly get my hands on. Um, uh, channeling um, uh, courses on magic. I met so many wonderful people at that time too and through that store. Um, um, on, on so many topics. I just, I could not get enough. I was ravenous for, for magical information because it gave me agency in my life, I think, um, in, a, in a way that I didn't have before. Um, all of that said, I'll say this, that that was a lot of dabbling and a lot of uh, exploration and a lot of search uh, that was interwoven with who I was becoming. And so there's a lot of like, 
identify, you know, learning to identify myself in that. Um, but I, I would say I had a lot of resistance to it as well. Like, you know, um, for example, like, you know, having, you know, friends, gay friends, queer friends, you know, who are going out and doing all sorts of things and being like, oh, I'm going to go do those things too. But also at the time then having conversation with guides who are like, um, no, I don't think that that's a very healthy thing for you to do. And me being like, F you, I'm going to live my life anyways. Like, you know, I'll show you. And so I had a lot of resistance to really stepping into being like uh, the person I am today. Uh, when I was young, I had a lot of resistance to it. Um, uh, so essentially, I think I want to say that like I, I had good cultivation when I was a child. I had a lot of interest and a lot of opportunity when I was in my teenage years and into my early 20s um, with some strong bouts of like huge resistance. Um, and then I and then I and I got serious about it in my late 20s and early 30s and really started to dedicate myself back into um, to magic, to mystery, to metaphysics, to to all of it and really, you know, finding my feet in it again. Does that answer your question? Yes, and and then some. I love that. I just learned that resistance. I I I study a lot about success and resistance and all of that stuff. And I've learned recently that resistance is actually the indicator that you're doing soul growth. Um, so when that those strong mm. fears come up and that strong resistance comes up, that's like stuff your soul needs you to go through so that you can like get to the mm -hmm. other side and become who you're meant to be and like continue becoming because like that's mm. the thing it's like we never stop growing um and so it's so interesting that like you had resistance to the to the magic and to like being this version of yourself and that you worked through it moved through it and became right and are and are becoming yeah. right because i think you're just going to keep getting better and better until you transition it's a life's work yeah yeah um yeah Oh, I love that. So I, I, I would be really curious about your story with resistance um, and like, and where that sort of sources in your story, like, where's that at? Like, how did that, how did this come up as a topic for you? Oh, resistance specifically? Yeah. Um, I mean, just like, honestly, uh, <clears throat> it's a way to, I really leaned into resistance because I'm really invested in becoming in the in the constant becoming of who I'm meant to be in the world and also just recognizing um I mean I'm a Capricorn so I like to I kind of logically understand things and that helps me move through the deep emotions uh, I have a Scorpio moon and Venus so mm -hmm. I've got a lot of feelings but also a lot mm -hmm. of logic and so um being able to understand something like resistance right and like there's different faith traditions that call it different things like resistance. Um, in some faith traditions, they call it the enemy, right? Like, or like, uh, some mm -hmm. people, you know, would sure. call it like a devil or whatever, right? Like it's the things that kind of prevent you from your godlike nature, from your connection to God. Um, especially the things you're really meant to do. Like I, I experienced resistance all the time with fat kid dance party. Um, just in the last episode of my podcast, I was talking about like how hard marketing has been for me and how hard it is to share about my work. Um, even though I love sharing mm -hmm. about my life, sharing about my work is a, an area of resistance for me. And it's like, I think that comes, that's like old belief systems and value systems and stuff that like, um, just old junky beliefs that I don't deserve to get paid well for the work that I do and for, for what yeah. I share and what's available. And um, and it's like, I've always been very good at creating the thing. Um, creation is really easy for me. Starting stuff is really easy for me. It's like, cause you have to finish a project and you have to market a project. Like I just didn't know <laughs> when I crowdfunded for the workout videos for Fat Kid Dance Party, I didn't even put in the budget for marketing. I didn't, it just, I mean, partially it's cause I did that and I didn't have any mentorship and I was just making it up and didn't know what I was doing. Um, so this is my advice to anybody else out there. If you're fundraising for a project, crowdraising, uh, crowdraise for your marketing. You need trailers, you need um, advertising money, you need all sorts of things. And if you are left holding no dollars after you make your beautiful thing, it's a lot harder to sell it and get it out in the world. Um, but, you know, emotionally hard and also hard, hard. So that, I mean, resistance just is uh, something that comes up a lot. The book, The War of Art is really good. Um, to study more about resistance, mm -hmm. if that's something anybody's interested in. Um, but I mm -hmm. love that you mentioned that you had to triumph through that. But I remember also being a young queer 
having a ton of resistance to being gay or to being myself within a gay context. Like being femme was not something that was supported in, in the community I came out in. Um, I was like, I heard lipstick lesbian is a bad thing. Um, and that really like hindered right. my self-expression. And you know me now, I'm very self-expressed. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I right. so hard, right? So it's amazing. I also right. really love. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that as a slander. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that you talked about how your mom really made a space for you to be yourself and to be, you know, weird or different, um, connecting to, you know, I think, I always think invisible or in, imaginary friends are just guides that kids connect to, um, you know, that it's not, it's not so imaginary. I think there's like creativity and there's channeling. And I think that sometimes those two are very blurry. Um, I'm curious if like you have, to because they're similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. They're so similar. Um, I'm curious if you have tips for people who are raising little kids who maybe are connected. You know, I mean, I, I think I can only speak from my experience on that one. I don't, I don't have children of my own, although I have many friends who do. Um, you know, and I, and I was always defer to like maybe a parent, um, you know, or someone, uh, out there who's sort of helping kids to develop in this way, like, um, uh, Susanna Level Peace, right? Uh, like she has a whole program based on those things, um, with working with children, um, with special needs. But I think that for, you know, I, w I was a highly sensitive child. I was a child who, um, heard and saw things, I think. I think all children do to a degree. Um, um, I think having the space and being given the tools, which largely was art for me to articulate it was very helpful. Right. And I think that we can sometimes feel like, and, I, and this transfers to my adulthood is that we expect people to communicate in a certain way. Like, you know, like we're all going to sit down at the table and and we're all expected to know like in some way that this is the way that a dialogue goes but i don't think that everybody is necessarily built um uh in a sensory way to communicate in the same way like some people are more verbal some people are more demonstrative some people are, you know like some people are more, more emotional and um if you're working with a child i think uh, communication is always key right uh you know and with love and and understanding the way in which your child wants to communicate and how they are communicating is a good start and then what they're communicating with. I mean, if you're having a dialogue and a conversation, they're just, they're just little adults and we're just big kids. Right. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's and perfect. Uh, you know, right. You know, so it's, I think it's, I think it's just a conversation and it's a learning. And I think if you asked any parent uh, who's, you know, actively engaged, with their child that they it is a learning process it's totally transformative to have a child i've heard that so many times um the added layer of understanding that your you know um your your children are communicating in ways unseen that might be a gift or might be a way um uh that's their specialty or part of you know their passion or part of their purpose or part of their however you want to frame that for yourself you know it's not to dictate that for anybody but it's an opportunity to see the ways in which spirit is communicating with your children and you know and that you know the, i'm not saying that that's going to mean that they're all channels right like in the you know they're going to channel spirit guides but it, it could mean that you know, their creativity or their creative energy, that spirit, that spark, that's that magic could be manifesting in their obsession with numbers, which leads them to math or architecture or, you know, or, or not, or, you know, to just being um, whatever they desire to be when they grow up. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily that they're going to be a metaphysical um, uh, master, right, in, in a way that we might expect them to be, but they can be uh, in the ways that they develop and grow and become. Totally. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, how people can cleanse their space? Cause whenever I have friends who have kids who are having like night terrors or like, who are really like connecting, but kind of freaking out a little bit, I always want them to just be cleansing their space first and foremost. Like, cause I, you know, to just make sure that the energies that the kids are connecting to are in walking in God's white light or however you want to describe that, like 
because you, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. taught me about sage, like some stuff I didn't even know. So like, tell me more about like how to, how one might energy cleanse just to like make sure that we're, we're vibing up and not like vibing down. Oh, that's great. Well, okay. So, um, I would be, I would love to hear what I, what I told you about sage. Um, <laughs> white sage, like sandblasting energy instead of like, oh, like yeah. Palo Santo is more of a gen, a, you know, a general vibe up versus like just blasting all the energy out. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, and I, and I've heard that repeated in other places. And so like, I, I, I just want to say on that, that our choice of herbs have, you know, different associations with them based on, um, their, like their vibration, you know? Um, I would also say that like, you know, there's a lot of herbs that grow around my house that I cultivate like rosemary. Um, I grow sage in my backyard, so I'm not purchasing it outside. I grow oregano, which is a little tough cookie when it comes to cleansing, you know, that's a, that's an aggressive a cleanser, a basil, um, and, um, you know, so my, my first choice on those things, especially now, which is going to lean into what I'm going to say is that, you know, if you could grow it, that's probably your best herb for cleansing right now. And that's not possible for everybody. Right. Um, so being, um, uh, observant or up to date on like, because we're like, it's such a, like a consuming, uh, there's so many people who are are doing magic and there's lots of use of herbs. And so we're seeing a lot of like uh, a negative repercussion of that from overuse um, or overpicking and those sorts of things. So if you can grow it, I would just say like, you know, rosemary is a great cleanser, you know, like you can, um, you could take rosemary and you can uh, submerge them in some water and you can use that to asperge, you know, like take the branch and kind of shake it around the house it's a soft evergreen, right? You know, and, and it has a quality that's sort of mentally clearing to it. It's good for the mind. Um, uh, brushing it on the body when the leaves are green um, uh, is also a great way to do that. I think um, working with the plant and asking, right? And receiving the energy. And if you don't know necessarily what that means, you know, it's, it's, it's basically the idea of, you know, um, the plant's not there for you right? The plant's there for the plant, right? And, and it's part of the environment. And so learning to approach it and sort of like feel and be more sensitive to those sorts of things. Um, so I, I, I would say rosemary is a great alternative to a lot of herbs that are out there because it's present and available. I really like mugwort too. Um, and I find that um, uh, it's growing actually in alleys like around my neighborhood you know, and it just gets like runned over, you know, like it, you know, it, it just gets like it, the rain comes, the mugwort pops and then like it dries out. And so that's a good one to work with as well. And mugwort can draw out, um, you know, uh, things that don't serve us or unhealthy energies. Um, and we can use that to sweep those out of a space. So when you smudge, right, like we smudge, we bring smoke, smoke over our body, you know, we use smoke as a way to cleanse uh, the energetic levels of us, we can then we use our hands or a feather or something to sort of like sweep it out or sweep it away. Um, uh, same with the use of mugwort, different in that the herb has a different vibration or a different use, right? Um, but but I just say, you know, like if you can grow it, grow it, you know, that's probably the one that you want to use. Um, uh, and, and I would probably start there. Um, the other thing that I want to say with cleansing, though, is that is that what I what I've been trying to cultivate lately is an understanding of like how can we do these things with just our body alone and without taking something from the environment. Um, so I've been trying to find ways in which to use my voice, or to use gesture, or to use um, you know the power of my thought to do that um, to accomplish the same sort of goal. Um, you know, the, the power of our voice, you know, the, the ability to say no, to get out, uh, to, to say, I bless you and release you, uh, to say that, uh, you know, I cleanse this space, um, you know, I ask, and whatever your chosen divinity is, you know, whatever, however you approach the universe, you know, I would say, I ask in the name of the goddess, God, and great spirit, that all um, the discordant energies that are not serving uh, our greater well-being to remove from the space and to return to the earth or the universe to be used and recycled this energy for something uh, healthy somewhere else, right? Um, 
is a great way to do that. But you could also use bells. You can tone with your voice in different, um, uh, sing a song that you love really loud to cleanse the space. Um, there are some traditions where they say that you can, um, it, it seems counter, like, you know, like, oh, you're making a big racket. Like, how is that cleansing the space? But like slamming the doors and hands. Um, but it's just a way to break up the energy in the space. Um, those are those are my my offerings that I'm leaning on lately is how do I do this without using an herb or how do I use this by simply um, uh, using my body in a way that is uh, grounded, aligned, heart centered and um, uh, to accomplish the same thing. Oof, I love that. So practical, too. It's really I think there's people get caught up in needing tools and stuff because, um, you know, we're in capitalism. Um, but I love, yeah, yeah. I'm just really relying on like what's available. Um, you also taught me too about rosemary, like just planting it and having it by your front door is a form of protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's a, it's a way of, of warding, you know, like, and, and you could technically use anything in warding in your house, you know, which I think is a, as a part two to clearing is like, once you've really cleared a space, you know, finding ways that you can, um, uh, set up a perimeter, like little gate guards, you know, like you've cleared the space out and then you want someone there who's going to guard the door. And I think rosemary is a great one, but having a plant uh, at the front door, I'm getting a name really quick on this one because I learned uh, this particular uh, method from a, a great little book that I got on Amazon from an author. Her name is Althea. And I want to get you the name of the book, but it basically was like, you know, like you've done your cleansing and you've done your, um, you've done your uh, clearing of the space. Uh, so now you want to set up a protection. Now you want to set up a way that's going to keep that space clear, keep the vibration of energy that you want inside it. And the way to do that is warding, which is basically I use little metal pins. I use push pins with like the little pearly caps on the ends, so, you know, so stick in your finger. Mm -hmm. And I, I will put those in a little bit of oil that I use for protection. And I will walk around and stick those in the walls of the house to uh, act as little uh, markers for the ward or the protection to keep the space that I have up there safe. And um, it's just a great way to, um, to affirm the protection that you put in there. Um, I'm not gonna find this, Look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best and it's, it's not there. Oh, there it is. By Rust of Nail and Prick of Thorn by Althea um, Sebastiani. Um, it was recommended on Twitter and I picked it up on uh, Amazon for, I don't know, I think it was on sale for like $3 or something. And, uh, you know, it was a, a short but potent read that really filled in some gaps on some things and gave me some ideas uh, like about stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things I think that are in our house, that are around our house, that are objects that we already have, uh, statuary, pictures, uh, coins in our pocket, pennies. What do we do with pennies? You know, like they're metal, they're conductive. You know, we could use those to create little perimeters. We could use those as little charges to create protection in our house. Um, uh, that sort of thing. Using our voice, I think, is really strong. When you said on your last podcast, I think it was, um a solo show talking about your home um you know like blessing um uh, blessing things and i think that that's that's a really powerful tool that's a really powerful use of thing uh, uh use of your voice you know like to state within a space um you know i cleanse this space of all that does not serve me all that is harmful um or unhealthy you know, um, and I invite in love and, and I invite that love to be in the space in a way that is for my, the room I'm sitting in right now, you know, which is, you know, for magic and for treating people or, you know, around the bedroom to be uh, for restful sleep, health and, um, you know, uh, and love, you know, like, like what's the way that you want to operate uh, that energy? And it's just through your voice alone and through your intention by tapping into your heart's energy and your light you know, the light that's within you, the light that's within all things to make that possible. Yeah, tools will help us. Yeah, I got a fantastic new one. That's amazing. You know, yeah, I have like uh, different stones and things that I've set up. And I think if those tools are um, 
helpful in that they serve purposes and they can help to carry the vibration and keep that vibration going so i'm not constantly having to tend it um but we don't always need them like in a pinch if you're on a plane and you need protection are you going to bust out a sage stick right are you gonna <laughs> like you know like you're gonna close your eyes you're gonna you're gonna form a mudra with your hands crossing your fingers or you're gonna you know do a prayer you're gonna do something and it's that's mind and heart and intention and body all together yeah in, absolutely. In Oh, I love that. Um, can you talk more about how um, you teach people to kind of just open up to their own power? Because I think a lot of becoming magic or getting aligned with your magic is undoing the idea that you're not powerful and the idea that you don't have yeah. influence over the energy around you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that that um, I could answer that in a lot of different ways because over the years that has looked different as I've, as I've taught and as I've grown and changed, um, you know, the, the, the way in which I teach now and, and, and the modalities that I'm using, you know, if you will, are um, um, Reiki and energy work, obviously, because I've been doing that for a while. Um, and, uh, and so it's expanding on the use of Reiki and the ways that we can use that to develop who we are as a person, right? To use that sort of energy. So it's using those tools, like not just like the Reiki one, two, and three, you know, process that's, you know, um, in this, in the system of learning Reiki, but are there ways that we can use it to set space, um, or to uh, do work on ourselves and to be more in inquiry with our own bodies as we do Reiki on ourselves, right? You and I have sort of done that in, in other classes that you mentioned at the beginning um, uh, of the show, um, uh, at the start of our conversation, right? You know, um, but I think that I also, I also find a lot and I get a lot out of magic, but you know, like I, I you know, have identified as a witch for a very long time and it's a very big umbrella term for me. And so, I tuck a lot underneath that, right? And it's a big umbrella for me too, so I can tuck a lot underneath it. And and I think that magic, and and this could be answered differently by different people. It's going to look different, right? But I think that magic, in a lot of ways, is um, yes, it's agency in the world. Yes, it's the ability to manifest something to change our circumstance that is not in our favor to being in our favor. And I think that magic is also um, has within it the practices uh, and and methods, the potential to help us develop as human beings, as magical human beings in the world. Because I think it's all magic. I think the whole world is, I think everything in the world is magic. I think magic as a practice is a way um, that allows us to engage the world of magic. Um, if we do it in the way that I teach it, the way I teach magic is relational, right? First relationship is with yourself, is developing that with yourself, is learning about your energy, your body, is journaling, um, is, um, you know, maybe you do some healing, maybe you do some tarot work, maybe you do some sort of divinatory things, but you're basically understanding yourself and you're understanding yourself in context and relationship to your energy and your energy body, like in, in your psychology and your dreams and other sorts of things. And then as you advance, you've developed a relationship with yourself, you could start to develop a relationship with the magical world, right? So it's like having that, learning to have that conversation with the plants or learning to have conversation with like elemental energies, you know, and those intelligences or learning to talk to angelic forces or learning to talk to each other, right? Uh, instead of doing magic, right? Because that's pretty magical. You know, like it's, it's in, in, a, in a nutshell, you know, that's what it is. It, those practices are based like, you know, on a lot of the training that I've done with the Temple of Witchcraft, which is an amazing organization that I'm so glad to be a part of. Um, uh, and also from uh, Reiki and also from my own studies and also from various other things. But I think it all boils down to if, I think in my experience, if you really want to be able to use magic and to be successful at it, you really have to understand that the system that we're in is going to tell you that you need to do all these things to be productive and to go a certain direction and to have certain things. 
But as you do the journey and you start to engage the world where you are engaging yourself, you will find that you have a different timetable for those things. And magic may lead you in that direction more. And so a lot of your obstacles may be challenging, right? There may be resistance, right? To, to the way things are when you know that they should be a certain way inside yourself. Meditation is key. I think journaling is key. Um, I think uh, some form of energy work is key. I think those three things are really strong principles in, in really getting it all to align for you in the right way and being dedicated to that process and not beating yourself up if you can't make those commitments to yourself too because that's another out exterior capitalistic model that's saying like, you know, like, oh, well, if you don't do this, you're a worthless human being. You know, like you, you're fucked up again. You know, and that's just not true. You know, like it's not true. We're allowed to make mistakes. We're allowed to be here. And I think magic is a, um, uh, it's not immune to mistakes. And I think that, in fact, when you make space for those mistakes, you learn because it's a process of learning and becoming and through knowledge and understanding. I love that. If you could describe, I mean, I can't even like it's summing up. I feel like I love that is just too little for, for the true love that I have for all of the, the traditions you weave into your magical practice. Um, but I would love for you to describe what Reiki is for someone who's just like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what is it? Um, how would you describe it? I would describe, I'm sorry, you, I, you, I lost you for a second. What what, what am I describing? Reiki. Like if someone, if you were just to like start fresh with someone and just give like a, a four sentence description of Reiki, like what is Reiki? Um, I, I think that I, I like to describe it in two ways that it's uh, it, it is spiritual life force energy, right? Uh, it is an intelligent energy that's available to us for healing. And it's also a tradition that comes out of uh, Japan, which is a uh, lineage based. Uh, and um, it, it, it's both of those things at the same time. Right. And it's a form of self healing and for healing for others. I love it. Um, I think Reiki is such a powerful place to start. I think everyone can benefit from level one attunement just to be able to do a self-treatment. Um, I found like I had a chronic illness that I was really grappling with. And as soon as I was attuned to Reiki level one, I turned a corner. Like I felt my body align. And like, right. so it's, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's an incredible opportunity. And if if someone out there is like curious about um, getting connected to themselves in a more magic way. Reiki is just such a, I find it very straightforward, right? Like there's a lot of internal work you have to do to like be developing, um, your psychic powers and that kind of stuff. But like Reiki is very straightforward and because it's lineage based and attunement based, it's something you can go to a class, you can learn about, and then just start practicing on yourself. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Right. You know, I, I would say that you know, I, my original Reiki masters, I had two, which was uh, Claudia McGregor and Cheryl Coleman, and uh, they had an organization called the International Reiki Healers Association. Um, and, uh, you know, they modeled Reiki as trusting the intelligence of the energy. And so understanding that it's not a lot of work on your part, but it's a lot of being present on your part to allow for that energy to pass trusting that process and understanding it and learning from it that way. So it wasn't, you know, cause you get people who take Reiki and they're like, Oh, am I messing it up? Am I doing it wrong? Am I self doubts that, you know, like that we have within ourselves. And I, and I like their way, which was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If you're having an internal conversation with your mom in your head, so long as your hand is on them, you have an attunement and you're passing that energy. And I, I remember that one of the first times that they, demonstrated Reiki when I first met them you know it was a distance Reiki session because I lived in a little city or I worked in a little city where we had a metaphysical shop which was called the um, Astral Hope Chest my friend Astrid and um, uh, it was a dream spot um, and uh, and she came in to demo it we had a bunch of signups but no one no one showed up you know and uh, and and the city that we were in had um um, a funny little law that related to palmistry, which basically said like you couldn't put your hands on someone without this extra license, and and it was like 
that, you know, like a $1,500 or $2,000 license in order to do this hands-on thing because of palmistry, even though Reiki is not palmistry, but, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and so they did distance uh, Reiki with, um, you know, like the Reiki dolls, you know, like they had teddy bears that they sent Reiki. And I was like, what do I need to do? You know, and they were like, nothing, you know, like just, just receive the energy. And I was like, okay, well, I'm running the store. So you guys do that thing with the dolls and I'll do this, you know, cleaning the counter. And I started to feel their hands on me. I started to feel the energy pass through me. And when I looked at them, they were reading magazines. You know, we didn't have iPads, you know, you know, they were reading magazines with their hand on the doll passing the energy. So they weren't, I think Reiki is that easy. You know, I think Reiki is that intelligent. I think it is that spiritual intelligent energy that's passing, passing through us. The benefit of that, you know, you know, you sort of speak to your audience a little bit, you know, I, I'm thinking of my dad's friend at the moment, you know, I don't know if I could give him a big spiritual, uh, you know, at the time when he asked me about it, a big spiritual explanation for it. But if I said, you know, it's it's basically the same energy that a martial artist is use, using, you know, in their focus and dedication to perform physical feats that we're using to do healing on your body. It's that life force energy. You know, he was like, oh, okay. You know, like, I got it. I'll, I'll accept that, you know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, I, I lean in on it more and more. I think it's a really powerful spiritually intelligent system that's that's smart that that you don't have to be perfect to do it you don't have to be perfect to do anything but you don't have, you know like it's a reminder that the reiki knows where to go that it has the spiritual intelligence to to find the place in the body where healing is needed or in the subtle body where healing is needed so yeah it is it is like you said like it aligns you like, I remember after I got my first attunement, I was like, what the heck just happened to me? Like, that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And also, I remember after level two, I got so tired. I had to sleep for like two days. It was just kind of amazing how just all that, the energy just, it's amazing how like energy can run off of you. And sometimes you just need a lot of sleep because you are like running. Yeah program with magic yeah 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 i mean i'm finding that in winter too you know like it like right now like um of course i always think that this time is going to be less involved than it is and it's usually <laughs> double what i what i think it's more um the because it's the holidays and people stress out and you know like uh, need healing and upkeep and attention and stuff you know um so i tend to be as busy as a healer and as a reader at this time but um, uh, you know, it's what I feel in my body with winter is really like not to be high energy, not to be on, like, I, I'm sort of like being a little bearish, you know, where I want to like, I'm like, Ooh, tonight's my last class, you know, like, uh, of the year, you know, like I, I can, I can only have to, you know, worry about like some subscriber content on Patreon and like a few more appointments. And then I'm going to have like a week where like, I'm just sleeping in and I'm letting my body and my energy system rest from all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Will you talk more about solstice uh, energy and ritual that people can do this time of year? I know we're in uh, winter solstice, so we're, we're starting to gain back our light starting December 21st here in the Northern Hemisphere, but shout out to my Australian babes and my other Southern Hemisphere babes who listen to this show. Um, who are doing summer solstice so but yeah but yeah they're holding the light for us while we do yeah. it yeah uh this is a this is a community project you know the solstices and equinoxes it's happening on both sides of the world uh it's happening everywhere uh, so i i want to say that like i love this topic that because we were going to talk about it because i feel like it's been two or three years that basically we've spent every winter solstice. I think so. I think it's been three years. Yeah. yeah. Like it's been a ritual or something that we have done at winter solstice. Like there was the one at Magic LA, ah. uh, which was um, a lightness. Um, and uh, there was something before that I can't remember. And then there was at uh, Open Eye Crystals. 
Um, so it's been like, it's been like a little theme for us with your, um, your Capricorn gorgeousness that we have some sort of solstice energy between the two of us. And so I, I, I feel like, I don't remember when I met you, but I feel like it's, I'm going to pin it to the winter solstice just because that's such a strong, um, association I have with you is, is being in ceremony or ritual and doing something magical for this time of year. I mean, I'll say I, I identify you as one of my primary spiritual teachers. And so like at a time of like solstice, that seems important to me to connect with like my teachers and the people who are like guiding yeah, me energetically, like healers, teachers, people who like, uh, I'm learning from, I feel like it's so important to have these moments, like monthly season. I mean, I have daily habits, I have monthly habits, I have seasonal habits. And like, you know, I feel like solstice is a time where I want to be like the most powerfully charged so that I can like move forth in, in the coming year and bringing that light and bringing that energy. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so for solstice, I like, um, I particularly like, and I'm focusing on this year ending and beginning. So there's a death and a life. There's a rebirth that's there. And I think, you know, for us in the Northern Hemisphere with the axle tilt, you know, like we have a long night and a short day and in a certain sense, somewhere between the 20th and the 22nd or 23rd, whenever the solstice actually lands in there, but celebrate as you will, uh, that uh, when the timing's right for you, that, that we do have that perceived uh, rebirth of light, you know, and I think that that's... Um, you know, in the, in the magical landscape, in the, in the mythic landscape, it is a return of that light to the world. And we have a lot of celebrations around those things. So I look a lot like this particular year, and it might change from year to year as we have done in the past, but this particular year I'm looking at, you know, cleansing which does not serve, um, you know, in some way, like letting that go. And I'm using fire and water in that. So I'm burning things, you know, like I'm burning letters or I'm, you know, in, in uh, obviously in fireproof, you know, things or in fireplaces or whatever, if you were going to do that. But just as a way of being like, let's look at the recap of my year, right? Like, let's look at the calendar year, right? Which we really align a lot of our productivity to, which we really align a lot of like our birthdays are on it. Like, you know, we have a lot of whatever your calendar is, but, you know, like in this in the sense that if we were to line it with you, let's look at the calendar year and say like, these were all the things I wanted to accomplish. I'm moving into this time. I did or I didn't. These were my feelings about them. This served me. This didn't serve me. The things that didn't work and the things that the relationships that, um, uh, you know, that I had that, that I might uh, still be carrying something for. Any of these things that I'm holding on to that might not be healthy for me or, um, cleansing my space right like cleansing my just I just did a, a cleansing on the room that I'm in like this is for me the time to do that up until the solstice like I'm getting rid of I'm packing up I'm, I'm being a little squirrely about it you know like I'm being like let's bury these nuts you know like let's let's get rid of this sort of stuff here and and prepare myself more fully so that when I start the solstice light thing I'm really inviting in light into the new year because I think that if we track it that way we have the capacity to follow that light and tie intention to it and see a path open up and unfold before us that we can participate over in a year that when we return to Yule again, right, we have, we have sort of completed a walk around the wheel um, um, with letting go and beginning again, rebirthing something uh, new. Uh, so cleansing self, cleansing space, letting go, and then celebrations of light. So if you wanted to, we do lots of light celebrations around the, the you know, the sort of wheel of the year, you know, like in, in these various solstices and equinoxes. But I think, think right now, especially, um, I would tie things to light. So with candles, um, um, I might... Um, what's a good exercise on that one? You know, I, I might like write an intention for the things that you want. We've done this sort of one before and maybe, um, you know, anointing that with like uh, an oil you've made or a favorite scent that you have and, and saying that this is for that intention and really making that um, 
statement and then that, that the scent is tied towards that intention, um, anointing a candle with it. After you've let things go, after you've released and cleansed and prepared yourself, if you just wanted to do a very simple thing for the winter solstice, you know, observing the darkness um, and getting prepared for that birth of light. Some people will stay up all night, like and sort of sing in the dawn, right? I've never been able to do that, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I've never been able to do that. I, I have gotten up, right? I've gotten up to wake the dawn, right? Um, but to sort of... Uh, to tie your intention towards that light, like this is this is what I'm going to focus on for this year. This is my spiritual development that I want to cultivate. Um, you know, uh, this these these are the qualities in me that that I I want to bring forth that I wish to cultivate this year. And you know, I dedicate this light and the light of the solstice and the light of this candle to that process. Then you, um, you know, you light the candle and you let it burn safely. Watch it. Don't leave candles unattended. Too many bad stories about that one um, uh, from other people, uh, you know, and, and let that candle burn and run its course. Um, wear the scent throughout the year with the understanding that it resonates with your intention. What we wear in our skin, the oils that we choose to wear, they're attractants, right? They vibrate with that intention. They're attractants in the external world to draw that closer to us. And that's, that's a basic, simple, you know, uh, ritual that I, that I would say to do for the winter solstice. I personally, you know, um, I do a lot of kind of Thanksgiving. There's more like, you know, witchy, magical, wheel of the year kind of stuff that I do there. Not everybody does that, right? You know, so that's that's more of a me thing. Um, um, but that simple ritual is the one that I would offer to people to do. I love that. What about on the opposite in the uh, summer solstice for our babes in Australia? Like, how do you close up the light and welcome the dark? Right. Um, I, I think the, you know, I, I think summer solstice is really a celebration of that light. You know, it's the sort of um, the final days of it. I mean, like in the way that I look at it, you know, like the, the, in certain ways, the real ending is in, um, I'll answer that. I just want to say this, that, that there is a, a certain ending, which is um, Samhain or, you know, like that ancestral time, you know, like end of October, uh, sort of November which is really, you know, uh, a tide of, and this is not a moral negative, you know, darkness and death. Like the, these energies are really at height there, right? And at, you know, Belton in May, this time of spring, those energies of life and light are really high. Like they're potent, they're at their peak. So summer solstice is sort of that, that last shine, that last glimmer, this, this great brightness, right, of, of the light in the world, but it also casts a long shadow, right? And um, um, I like I like summer solstice in connection to fairies. I like summer solstice in connection to you know the the other world. I think I, I'm having a hard time with this one. I think that's a good question. Uh, in 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 uh, we're both turning the wheel at the same time, but I I don't know that I exactly know how to answer that one for for the summer solstice. Uh, because my head is so winter solstice at the moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think right? celebrating the light, yeah. that's, that's a, enough ritual. Like, I, I mean, this is the thing I think people don't think about, uh, like the reason why we dance at weddings and party for birthdays is celebration is a, a way of convocating and, and it's a consecration and, and it's magic, it's feeling things. And, um, so I, I believe in dance as celebration and like, you know, being part of that vibe, right? So that's part of celebrating the light. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I, I like that. And thank you for that. Because you said something earlier, I think it was on a previous podcast too, in which you were talking about the word celebration um, or celebrating. And I think that that's a really high heart, like high heart chakra, like really joy. Like that's a great word. Celebration is a great word. I think it's applicable at any time, like, you know, like, like celebrate, right? Uh, but, but I think that that, you know, if both of us are celebrating the winter and summer solstice, there is that heart energy that's being exchanged. I mean, I, I, um, 
I think that if I were to do something thinking I'm so I'm about to teach a class on the winter solstice tonight. This is why I'm so winter solstice, Yule solstice right now. Um, it it's as I would I would probably be holding a lot of light or a lot of heart energy, a lot of heart and crown energy, right? Crowned in the sun, our heart's glorious, our celebrations are these things, you know, uh, this is the, you know, this is the the way that we're going to gild the world with our golden hearts. You know, mm. like that kind of energy might be a great way to be um mutually supportive of each other you know at this time um i have a friend down there who will be doing a winter or excuse me a summer solstice thing as well and she and i have been talking about coordinating opposites um like conjoining our celebrations or conjoining our journeys with timing them in some sort of way so um I, I really like to cultivate the idea that when we're doing this work, that we're doing this work with other people around our area and around the world, and that that people in Australia or people on the you know in the opposite you know side of things who are experiencing the summer at the same time are also doing things that magically are contributing towards this cycle, this current of energy um, that is uh, supportive of our spiritual growth and our deepening our understanding of nature and earth. Um, yeah, that's a very inspired idea. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Um, Scott, will you tell us more about your Patreon? So for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it is a membership site that's kind of like a, a marriage of crowdfunding and um, a subscription service. And it's ways for creators like me and Scott to offer specific exclusive content for people who support us on a monthly basis through the Patreon site. You can cancel at any time. I have been a Patreon supporter of yours for well over a year. I, maybe two years. Yes, thank Ever you. Since, pretty much yeah. the beginning. Thank because you. you were such a teacher that I loved and I love the information you had to share. And so the opportunity to like, just get a little online funnel to information and, and resources. And now I, I love watching compounding happen because now there's a treasure trove because everything that you've created in your Patreon is now available like to anyone who joins. Um, and anyway, so tell right. us more about what's in that treasure box. If you open up the, the Patreon box for Scott K. Smith. Yes. Yes. Uh, it is. Um, um, and that is the name for it. It's patreon.com slash Scott K. Smith, uh, capital S capital K capital S. Um, but it's uh, it, it started off as a way to create supplemental income as I was writing um, and writing on um, a project that I was working with that was kind of an assignment with the Temple of Witchcraft, but basically a book on magic. Um, that since morphed over the last uh, two years to sort of be a Reiki slash magic manual piece that is almost done. And um, I can't say the name, I can't say anything yet because I'm just waiting for that berry to be ripe so I can like, like drop it and everybody can go like, ooh, how juicy is that, right? Um, but, but basically it's, it's, it's going to be a method, uh, uh, a one, two, three method, you know, like a one, two, three level kind of method that sort of mirrors Reiki in certain ways, but also has a lot of witchcraft and magical tradition in it. Um, at the start level, like at the base subscription that you would come in there, you know, the subscriber content, um, you know, um, it is uh, weekly uh, readings. And I use that term in the broader sense, because as you've read, it draws in a lot of story from other people. So um, I believe that there's uh, wisdom in the cards. And so we use those as mirrors. And then there's wisdom in the stories that we hear and that we can weave those together to create an understanding of the energies and the ways that are happening in our lives right now. That's um, there at the opening. There's a rune class uh, that's ongoing, a little bit slower than I wanted to, but it's become deeper because of that. Um, there are um, little snippets of writing and stuff. I've kind of peeled off on that one. There are meditations that are available. Um, there's just a ton of tarot meditations in there. Um, there's energy work meditations uh, at higher levels. There's esoteric. There's sort of like um, explorations. So 
off the diving board of the expected and I do a little bit of channeling and people sort of get a meditation that's very specific to the time that we're in and the tide of energy uh, that we're in. Um, so this last month was, uh, this month for December is very alchemy. It's very dark and light and bringing those things together. Um, at the higher end on the uh, tier of subscription, I offer services. So basically at the $50 level, like I offer Reiki energy services, uh, readings, massage. Um, and if you don't use those, you can gift those to someone else. So you're like, oh, I'm going to do this for a year and get like, you know, 12 massages from Scott. But then I can't make November. So I'm going to gift it to my brother or my auntie or whatever. And they can come in and use that same uh, space as well. Yeah. So it's, it's readings, it's magic tips, it's classes, it's meditations, and it's uh, all the services that I already offer, but just on a, um, a digital format, right? With the exception of massage, which you would actually see me for right now. Yeah. I, uh, I love it. I've gotten so much value out of it. Honestly, like there was this one um, honey pot thing that you did. Like it was a whole ritual, like a recipe for a ritual. And I felt mm -hmm. like as soon as, mm -hmm. like when that came out, I was like, I feel like this membership has paid for itself just in this one thing. Um, and, and yet there's so much more. I, and I also, I'm really into these days curating whose consciousness I'm aligning with, because I think those people, yeah. those teachers who are tuned in, tapped in, turned on and are connected to source um, and taking the time and expressing that gift, like in a live way. Like I think like I have been going to Agape Church and doing the live stream since I moved away and like being connected to Michael Bernard Beckwith, I think is super valuable. Being connected to you and reading your weekly readings and connecting to your guidance has been helpful yeah, for me. Um, you know, I do like a Kyle Cease, uh, weekly coaching call that he does. Like, so there's just lots of people that I'm tuned into and connected to that are influencing me and how I'm developing. And I think that's so potent and powerful. And I'm so grateful to you for having done the work to create this Patreon so that you could have a way that people can connect with you on this like very regular basis. I love it. Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate your support. You said curate, and I think that's a really magic word. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like I just want to express it that I think that like, you know, like the, the, I recognize that the people that have come there have come there for a reason. They've come there out of a curiosity or they've come there with a purpose, but that, I think that people who end up subscribing to that Patreon really add to the presence of that space because I've noticed with each person that sort of come in, everything's have kind of shifted a little bit to accommodate their energy. I'm like, let's make room at the table for this next person. And so um, the energy shift, the narrative shifts, you know, like, and I, and I really, really, really enjoy that part of it, you know, like, especially with the meditations and the weekly readings, because then I see that like, you know, we just got a great new subscriber right now and, and I don't know who they are. Like I've never met them, right? You know, like it, it's, it's, it's this new curiosity and it's a new relationship. But if I sit in the space and, I, and I'm preparing for it and I'm getting ready for the weekly reading and all of a sudden I get a little earworm about something else. And I'm like, oh, is that them? You know, is that their energy? And I start to like add that into the writing. And so over a process of days, which is a, how I usually write the readings, is like I start a few days early. They're always current. They're never written in advance. Um, I, and I sit with the energy of everybody's involved in there. So I, I, I hope, right. I don't know this, but I hope, you know, like it's it my belief that this is what happens is that, that, that addition of the energy of the person joining in also creates a flow. That's part of what's being sort of like recycled or reciprocal in that process of it. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's just a curiosity on my end. But when you said curate, I mean, I, I really, I really feel like in this service, this subscription, I don't, but I mean, I'm just not that person anyways. Like I, 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 I want to create things that are for the people that are participating. And so uh, who arrives um, adds to and, and alters the way that things show up on that page. Oh, I love that. 
Scott, you are an incredible human being. I'm so grateful we had this conversation. Um, I feel like we could have eight more podcast episodes just in terms of things I want to talk to you about. So, <laughs> will you come back on my podcast again? Yeah, you know what? But I, but I'll say this to everybody listening is that this is really typical, Bevan, and me is that like she would come over for like a treatment or something, and it would be like three hours later, and then we'd be starting. You know, like it, it, because we could literally talk to each other for hours, and it's one of the things I love about you so much. Oh my god, it's so yeah. true. And you just like you'll like we'll be at Scott's house, and like and I and I lament like this is something I miss about being in LA is being able to go to Scott's house, get a treatment, and like have that involve. Scott going to the bookshelf, pulling out a book and having like some ancient wisdom for like my condition <laughs> uh, and all of that. So good. So good. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts with the world and just being an open hearted creator and magic person. And I love you so much. Um, will you tell people how they can find you on social media to keep in, keep in touch? Oh yeah. Um, so so um, I think the funnest ways are on Instagram. Um, so I have a personal account on Instagram, which is Scott underscore K underscore Smith, which usually details a lot of like photos of my dog and <laughs> the magic cute. wand I just got or um, snapshots. I'll do like a little snapshot and, and bit from the Patreon with the tarot cards or places that I've traveled. And I also have a business in Los Angeles, which is called Temple Los Angeles. And it's temple underscore Los Angeles. And that's also on Instagram. And that has a lot of other people on it as well, because I tend to curate other people there. Um, uh, I have two websites. Um, one is for Temple Los Angeles. One is for me personally. Temple Los Angeles highlights more than myself. And The Sacred Other, which is thesacredother.com, uh, highlights my services as a healing practitioner and a magical practitioner. Um, so those are the best, I think portals to find me out that way yeah and of course patreon.com slash scott k smith and of course patreon.com slash scott k smith yeah sorry i said that in the beginning so i didn't think that that was necessary to say again Thank it's you, all right if people are out here like <laughs> typing away i want them to be able to get all the info um thank you so much scott i yeah. love you so much and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today Thank you for having me and allowing me to be part of this. Yeah, I, this is like one of my favorite podcasts. So, yeah. Aw, yeah. yay. I love hearing that, especially as, you know, it's a newer podcast. So I'm glad to hear it's a fave already. Mm -hmm. Okay. Love you so much. I love you too. Wherever you are, I hope you know that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You are amazing. You are brilliant. You are profound. You are on this earth for a reason. Your magic is available to you. I hope you'll reach out to it and I will see you or talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in.